Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I'll be on Hannity on the Fox News Channel tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll be there. I haven't been there for like a month and a half, given my schedule and so forth. I want to thank Brian Mudd for sitting in yesterday. I went to a Purim celebration uh, with uh, dear friends of ours who, who likely won't be having that celebration next year. So I really wanted to go, and I want to thank you. I want to talk to you folks about something. I think this is very, very critical. Whether you're Gentile or Jewish, whatever you self-identify as, there's a lot of static going on in this country. There's a lot of static coming out of television, coming out of radio, and it really does create a false reality. In particular, false reality about the president. Even as I listen to the top of the hour network news that I'm compelled to listen to in my earphones, and you watch these endless reports from CNN and MSNBC and other cable channels, and you, or you watch network TV or you're on the internet, there are historic things taking place in this country, related to this country, that are not getting the attention they deserve. And a thousand years from now, there are decisions being made right now that people in the future will be looking at in amazement that will affect their lives. All the news we hear is overwhelmingly dripping with attacks on the president. I get very frustrated with so-called conservative commentators who like to play the odds. You know, on the roulette board, they want to play both black and red, and they want to play all the numbers. Well, you know what that gets you? Nothing. You're a loser. You can disagree with this president, as I do, on certain issues. And I, when I do, I do so respectfully, not in an effort to destroy him or degrade him or sabotage him. Just an honest debate. But I find more and more and more, I don't disagree with him. And I find his adversaries, who are mostly his enemies, to be absolutely dangerous, repulsive people. Who are obsessed with his destruction. And I I wonder a lot, as do you, I'm sure, why are they obsessed with his destruction? I'm going to tell you why. Because they are obsessed with the destruction of this country as founded. And he stands in the way. They thought they'd be able to pack the Supreme Court. 
with more and more justices in the third Obama term, that is through Hillary Clinton. They thought they would be able to forever change our ballot box with open borders and quickly legalizing and having a pathway to citizenship for 20 million illegal aliens, which would have forever changed the politics in this country. They've been wanting to turn America into what is now California, as I've been saying over and over again. They wanted to, for once and all, to undermine the United States military and our governing system in two ways. To confer authority that our Constitution gives to we, the people, to international organizations, whether it's climate change or something else, and to further centralize our already massive federal government and its massive spending and to smother individuality and liberty. Now, how do we know this? They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to increase the number and then pack it. They want to allow illegal aliens to vote in local and state elections and then federal elections because how are you going to Stop an illegal alien from voting based on the rules that the left puts in place. Look at this. I have an identification. All right. They get to vote. They want to lower the voting age to 15. Excuse me. That'll be next. To 16. Why? Why do they want to lower the voting age to 16? Because when you offer free stuff to 16-year-olds, they're going to vote for you. That's why. They haven't had time to learn about representative government and socialism and so forth they want to destroy the second amendment no longer are they talking about common sense gun control they're talking about gun confiscation and they point to New Zealand as a heroic example then they put out this H.R. 1 which they call this voting reform and anti-suppression act And it's the opposite. And through that, they want to control speech. And they want to make sure every vote counts, even if it's an illegal vote, even if it's a dead person. Every vote must count. Because nobody's better at playing the ballot box game than the Democrats. What else do they want to do? They want to destroy capitalism and replace it with socialism. They want to nationalize energy. Call it the Green New Deal. They want to nationalize health care. They call it Medicare for All or single payer. They want a wealth tax. They want a 70 to 90 percent marginal rate tax on certain individuals. They want free college. They want a guaranteed minimum income from birth. A guaranteed federal job for those who quote unquote can't find one. Three months of taxpayer financed family leave. An expansion of Social Security, which is already going to go bankrupt according to the trustees in 2034 and I've just gotten started Donald Trump stands in the way of that utopia of that paradise they must destroy him at some point I'm going to tell you a little story about this book that I've completed and the editing process and so forth I think you're going to find it absolutely fascinating I've got more stories, more information tucked away in 240 pages, give or take, 
than I ever had before it. And it's not dense, the book. I've made it especially readable because I want to get it out there and as broadly as possible. President of the United States continues to do historic things in a place where history matters. The birth of Judaism. The birth of Christianity. The birth of Islam. The President of the United States, Donald Trump, will be remembered in the Middle East for a thousand years. He will be remembered by our enemies as the enemy. And he will be remembered by our friends as the great Donald Trump. You see, they view him quite differently than CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the rest of them. The relationship between Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu is unparalleled. Unparalleled. It's unequaled. And will the liberals in Israel throw Bibi Netanyahu out the way the left threw out Churchill after World War II? Will we, the American people, throw Donald Trump out? Who stands between us and the insanity on the left? You look at what Donald Trump has done in the Middle East. The ISIS caliphate has been defeated, ladies and gentlemen. That doesn't mean ISIS is ultimately defeated. Like rats, like cockroaches, they know how to hide. But their territorial control is over. And this president did it in two years, despite all the attacks from Congress, all the investigations from the special counsel, all the smears from the media. He's accomplished something Barack Obama could not accomplish. He's given no credit whatsoever. None. He stopped Syria from gassing its people. Something Barack Obama said was a red line and then he ran. Trump stopped them. He stopped them. This president said, this president said, that the United States is going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel because it is the capital of Israel. Virtually every president in the modern era has said the same thing, and then they lied. He was told, don't do it, don't do it, lie like the others. But he did it. He moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Every modern president behind him said they would, and they didn't. And he did. For both of those acts, he came under attack. By the left wing in this country, by the Democrats in this country. I flew to Israel when they opened the the new embassy. There wasn't one single elected Democrat there to celebrate. Not one. Joe Lieberman who obviously is out of office, and Alan Dershowitz, who's not an elected official. That was it. That's all I saw. What else has this president done? He has shredded the Iran deal, which threatened the United States and Israel and other allies, including Arab Gulf states. He was told not to do it. He was attacked by Bob Corker and others within our own party. 
said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to shred it. This is crazy to give the Iranians $150 billion. Besides, they have killed hundreds and hundreds of American troops in the Middle East. Do you know we have Democrat candidates campaigning right now saying that if they're elected, they're going to reinstate the Iran Act, the Iran nuclear deal? It's true. What else has this president done? He shut down the PLO office in D.C. because it's a terrorist organization. He cut U.S. funding, the Palestinian Liberation Authority, which was using funding, it's called the Taylor Act, using funding to reward terrorists. They still do, except now they don't get to use your tax dollars. There's a group called APAC. I'm no great fan of APAC. You want to know why? It's sort of a center, center-left organization. The American Israeli whatever, whatever. It's a big organization. It's not the only Jewish organization. There are many of the left and the right. It's a big organization. And the crazies out there think they control. They control Congress. You know, like Ilhan Omar, the anti-Semi-bigot. They control Congress. They control the banks. They control, you understand. And typically what happens is candidates for president, Democrat and Republican, they form a conga line and they speak at APEC. This is their support for Israel. And APEC supports a two-state solution. I don't. And APEC supports negotiation with the Palestinian regimes. I don't. And most of you don't either. So moveon.org, one of the most powerful of the progressive left organizations that controls the Democrat Party, has announced that the Democrats should all boycott APAC. They just announced this. And four of them are doing exactly that. Their schedules, you see, don't allow them to go. Kamala Harris, Julian Castro... Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Meanwhile, Ilhan Omar, a bigot anti-Semite, long-standing. Meanwhile, Talib, another congressperson, of Palestinian descent, another anti-Semite bigot. Alexandria, I got to get her name right. She gets offended when you don't. AOC, AOC, I would argue, another anti-semi-bigot. They are celebrated in the Democrat Party. They are celebrated in the American press. They're not held to account. We saw that the other week. When the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives got together, put together a resolution, and Omar herself voted for it, declared victory, and said for the first time ever, the House of Representatives has declared Islamophobia. In the United States is to be rejected. There is no Islamophobia in the United States. It's a made-up word by this group CARE, which is connected to Hamas. The Democrat Party is not only moving hard left against the United States, it's moving hard left against a critical ally. And the President of the United States doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Standing up to them standing up to the world, standing up for us, 
and standing up for our allies. So I wanted to give him a kudos and salute him. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Golan Heights. Mark, what the hell does this have to do with us? Your ancient ancestors come from this part of the world. Your ancient ancestors come from this part of the world, the vast majority of you. That's the battle that's taking place. These are the battles that will be remembered. Not Robert Mueller, not Nancy Pelosi. These people won't even be footnotes to footnotes in history a thousand years from now. But what's being done now will be remembered in the Middle East. I only have a few seconds left in this segment. When we come back, I want to tell you about the Golan Heights. Now, I want to discuss other issues tonight, too. Don't get me wrong. But I want to tell you about the Golan Heights. Why are they important? What's the big deal? Why does this matter? Why does it matter to us? Why does any of this matter to us? I mean, you know, 7,000 miles away. We'll talk about this and I'll explain it as soon as we return. I'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound. To help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives. A truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. 
Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, the Golan Heights. Prior to 1967, the Six-Day War, the Syrians would have their tanks up on the mountains of the Golan Heights and shoot artillery, among other things, down on the Israelis, on their towns and into their communities. Um, In the Six-Day War in 1967, as the Arabs were getting ready to attack Israel and choke them off economically, the Mediterranean and so forth, with Nasser in Egypt and so forth, the Israelis attack first. And they push back the Arabs. And among one of the key geographic targets they wanted to take was the Golan Heights. And it cost them dearly in casualties, as you can imagine. But they took the Golan Heights. Well, some years later, 1973, what became known as the Yom Kippur War, there was a surprise attack on the Israelis by the Egyptians and the Syrians. The Syrians had over 700 top-line Soviet tanks and anti-tank missiles Technology the Israelis weren't even aware that the Syrians had and that the Israelis did not have. The Israelis had 175 tanks in the battle. Now, again, it was a surprise attack. So the front first defenses of the IDF, the Israelis, are it's breached. The first defense is breached. The sirens go off. The synagogue's empty, the home's empty, and the reserves move quickly by car, by van, by bus, anything they could to the front line. And oddly enough, because it was Yom Kippur, nobody was on the streets. The streets were clear. The Syrians and the Egyptians made some pretty good progress the first day, second day. Then they began to be pushed back. And then they began to lose. The battle for the Golan Heights was a brutal battle, and the Israelis had very heavy casualties. It's one of the reasons they'll never give it up. One of the individuals who fought in that battle was a man by the name of Yanni Netanyahu. Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu's older brother, who would die as a hero at Entebbe, his commander. October 1973, he commanded the Saret Matkal force in the Golan Heights, and they killed more than 40 Syrian commandos in a battle which helped thwart, thwart the Syrian commandos and their raid on the Golan's heartland. And Yanni Netanyahu was a hero in so many ways. He turned his brigade into the leading military unit in the Golan Heights. So I have no doubt that Bibi Netanyahu has had this on his mind for a long time. 
I seem to recall, I could be wrong, that Yanni was injured in that battle too. But there were extraordinary examples of uh, Israeli heroism because the odds were all against them. The odds were all against them. The Israelis were pushing so hard, they pushed almost right into Cairo. They almost pushed into Damascus. But they were stopped. You see, the Soviets, I guess it was Brezhnev, contacted Richard Nixon and said, we're going to go in. We're going to put an end to this. Nixon said, no, you're not. And, of course, the Nixon administration, greatly hated by the left in this country. The true history of Nixon has really never been taught. Nixon continued to send enormous amounts of armaments to the Israelis so they could defend themselves. And imagine that. They were coming fast and furious. They were coming from Germany. They were coming from wherever we had bases. And, by the way, that's one of the reasons we have forward bases, and all our bases aren't in Kansas. The Soviets were persistent. They said no. Nixon said, you're not going in. And he put our nation on a nuclear alert, our military on a nuclear alert, a high-level nuclear alert, which also involved removing conventional bombs from some of our bombers and putting nuclear bombs on them. So the Israelis were told they had to stop, which they did. But this is a bigger story than I meant to get into. The Golan Heights. Most of you have never seen the Golan Heights. If you see the Golan Heights, you'll understand the problem. That there's no way they could give the Golan Heights back to a sworn enemy. And Iran and Hezbollah would use the Golan Heights as a way to destroy Israel. You know, it's interesting, folks those of you who care about history, ancient history, American history, it's very interesting. Prior to 1967, and I've talked about this with a few family members and friends, prior to 1967, when Israel, well, check that, when the Israelis were viewed as victims who could barely defend themselves, even though they weren't victims who could barely defend themselves, but okay, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the left supported them. After 1967, the Six-Day War, when the Israelis defeated their enemies that surrounded them, it began to turn. After it was clear that Israel was a country that could and would defend itself, as opposed to victims lost in the desert, it began to turn. Left-wing opinion began to turn. And after the 73 war, when Israel was really hanging by a thread there for a day, and then they gathered, husbanded their resources, went on the attack, pushed the enemy back, really destroyed the enemy in many ways, and could have gone into Cairo and Damascus. You can look it up and read it yourselves. Then Israel, since then, has been viewed as a bully. An apartheid regime that occupies land 
that must give up land for peace. There must be a two-state solution, so you understand. It's the way the, <coughs> excuse me, the left looks at the United States. The left in the United States and the left in Israel, there's no difference. They're horrid. They're insane. And they think the rest of us should follow them. Well, we're not. So the president today, again, did something remarkable, did something very historical. Those of you who care about history, those of you who care about the Bible, those of you who care about the birth of Judaism, Christianity, and yes, Islam. This president is doing things from 7,000 miles away that are undergirding Judeo-Christian values and undergirding ancient history. When you read the Bible, when you read books that talk about the Bible, when you read books or papers that talk about the period, the ancient period, 5,000 years ago or so. They mention individuals. Sometimes they're prophets, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're messengers. Sometimes they're kings and queens. They mention individuals who have a profound effect in that part of the world. A thousand years from now, a thousand years from now. I could say take my word for it, but why does it matter? We won't be here a thousand years from now, but a thousand years from now. The scribes will be writing about the history that is taking place today in the Middle East. How this great and mighty president defeated ISIS. How this great and mighty president push back Syria of this great and mighty president recognized the capital of the Israelis and helped protect them. He will be remembered for that. He will not be remembered for what CNN says. He will not be remembered for what the Never Trumpers say. He will not be remembered for what's said on the floor of the Senate or the House any more than you remember what was said on the floor of the Roman Senate. He will be remembered. He will be chiseled into the history of the Middle East. He will be hated by the people he should be hated. Who should hate him? That is, evil regimes, evil organizations. And he will be admired and loved by people who should admire and love him. People who embrace morality, faith, representative government, freedom. That's what happened today. That's what took place today. But you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. Because James Clyburn on NBC News, I think it was yesterday, once again is comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. To Hitler. Comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. CNS News, cut four, Mr. Producer, go. I was asked, have I ever seen a climate like this before? And I said, no, I 
I have not. But I've studied about climates like this. And I reminded folks then that Adolf Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany. Uh, and This guy's uh, such an idiot. Adolf Hitler grabbed power. He never got a majority vote. You can't even get your sickening example straight. Go ahead. He went about the business of discrediting institutions uh, to the point uh, that people bought into his stuff to allow anybody to discredit the press, discredit the military, to discredit uh, our leadership. Shut up, you babbling fool. You babbling idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. From the Upper East Side, Manhattan, the great New York WABC, one of the richest places on the face of the earth, and I don't begrudge you at all, Frank. Yes, um, we have an excellent mayor, de Blasio, and uh, everything is great over here, and things never been better in New York. You you uh, really are a mental case, aren't you? Things have never been better in New York. You're about to go bankrupt. Uh, Sir, you like living under a Marxist? I love it. I love the... Then why do you live in the Upper East Side? Why don't you move to another community? New York City has the greatest... I said, why don't you move to another community? If you love it. What do you mean, why? Why Why don't you live to a really full, all-out Marxist community? It's uh, already... AOC is like pretty much like uh, Eva Peron. Are you calling from, like, a uh, a mental institution? So, anyway... Get off the phone, you idiot. I don't even know where this guy's going. Do you, Mr. Producer? Ooh, man, oh, man, a Shevitz. Let us continue, shall we? Bob, Cleveland, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi. Uh, yeah, during the Yom Kippur War, I remember uh, I was in a Marine infantry unit, and we were put on, um, you know, high alert, like, get ready to go over there. And, uh, you know, uh, but, in, you know, and I thought, well, that's great. You know, Israel seems like somebody that's worth defending. And then, um, you know, over the years, in neocon publications like National Review and uh, the Weekly Standard, I'm always reading articles, articles about how uh, 
you know, veterans are gaming the system when they get benefits for PTSD. And I wonder... i I, I got to slow you down. I never really read the Weekly Standard very much. I look at National Review often. I have never seen any such thing on there. Can you tell me who wrote that? Kate O... Uh, Kate O'Byrne Kate passed O'Byrne. away several years ago. One. That I was moreover, thinking. moreover, her husband's a veteran. Her sons are veterans. So well, I don't believe... Listen to me. I don't believe it for a second. Well, and I knew her... And I, and I... No, because you're slamming somebody, and i got to straighten this out to the nation. I don't believe it for a second. Pro-military, pro-vet. Moreover, National Review isn't a Jewish publication, is what you're trying to get at. Does Rich Lowry sound like a Jewish individual to you? Was William F. Buckley a Jewish individual to you? Get off my phone, you jerk! Boy, they're out coming out of the woodwork tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue, shall we? Let's go to Elizabeth, New York, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Oh, fine, thank you, Mark. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you, uh, happy Purim. Uh, and I, I met you briefly at a ZOA dinner. Yes. And um, actually, I was going to talk about APAC, but I want to say that my husband and I were in the Golan Heights, in the bunkers, about 10 years ago mm-hmm. on a trip to Israel. And uh, as you said, you have to really see it to see how uh, it, the Golan Heights, Heights, Golan Heights must stay in the what, what is remarkable when you go there is you think about the tank battles that took place. I mean, the Israelis were outnumbered uh, four to one. The, uh, the, the Syrians had top-level uh, Soviet equipment. And they were able to hold their second line, the Israelis, until they could get their reserves uh, in and so forth. <clears throat> and um, it's not only what took place at the Golan Heights. I mean, they were attacked in a number of places. And they pushed back the Egyptians. They pushed back the Syrians. And it reached a point with the Israelis were in Syrian territory, I mean deep into Syria and deep into Egypt. They crossed the uh, Sinai Peninsula. And that's when the Russians, the Soviets, said, all right, that's enough. That's enough. All right, we're going to move on. There's many other topics, but the President of the United States, I just want you to know, is a historic figure, and he deserves the credit for what he is doing and what he has done as they chase the Russia collusion, as they chase the this and they chase the that. Sometimes you got to hit the the, uh, the break and have a little sober discussion. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Just as an aside, let me show you how the New York Times covered what is a, a truly historic event. And will be remembered for a thousand years. Eileen Sullivan and Edward Wong. President Trump said on Thursday that the United States should recognize Israel's authority over the Golan Heights, one of the world's most disputed territories, in a significant shift of decades-long American policy. Do you think the New York Times supports this? The president's announcement in a midday Twitter post 
came after repeated pressure from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel. Israel seized the Golan Heights from Syria in 1967 and effectively annexed it in 1981, a move condemned by the United Nations. This is why there's so many stupid liberals roaming around on the Upper East Side of Manhattan with their New York Times under their arm. Mr. Netanyahu is facing a tough challenge in upcoming parliamentary elections. Immediately praised Mr. Trump on Twitter for his decision. There have been recent signs that the Trump administration was moving in this direction. A recent State Department report used the phrase Israeli-controlled instead of Israeli-occupied to describe the territories of the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and Gaza. Mr. Netanyahu is scheduled to visit Mr. Trump in Washington next week. And the new United States stance on the disputed land is expected to help the Prime Minister significantly. Just look how deceitful and dishonest the New York Slimes is. Just as they cover the Holocaust. Same thing. Same thing. So the Syrians attack the Israelis. The Israelis fight back. The Israelis hold on to the Golan Heights. And I guess it's, it's like a chess game, you know. Okay, you lose. Now let's start all over. Set up the board exactly as it was before. Is that how we fight? Is that how any country fights? I mean, this is incredible to me. But it goes on and on and on. Remember the other year when Hamas was launching thousands and thousands of rockets into Israel, how the New York Times came to their defense and started to trash our president? They said it was instigated by his decision to move our embassy. When, in fact, it had absolutely nothing to do with it. Oh, I can't wait. For what, Mark? Tuesday. I cannot wait for Tuesday. What was that line? uh, Cannot wait for Tuesday for a hamburger today or something like that. Remember that? The Popeye cartoon? Well, whatever. Wimpy, right? Something like that? Yes, our memories go to funny places. But that's what that reminds me of. And Mr. Bedusa here has been monitoring today's news. And it's always the same, isn't it, Rich? Attacking Trump, attacking Trump. He should be indicted. He's like Hitler. He's worse than Nixon. It's over, over, over. What has he done to deserve this? What has he done to deserve this? Now, the president is asked about John McCain. And the president gives his honest opinion about John McCain. He's not allowed to. You're not allowed to. They say, don't talk poorly of the dead. I don't disagree with that. But they keep trashing Richard Nixon. Why do they keep talking poorly of Nixon? Well, he wasn't John McCain. I understand. And I'm not speaking poorly of John McCain. When he was alive, I spoke poorly of John McCain. Now that he's passed, I certainly would not. When he was alive, I acknowledged him as a great hero. And he was. But he also was an awful politician. And Trump knows that. So the, the, the reporters provoke him. They ask him the question. He gives an honest answer. And then he's trashed. He's trashed by the family. He's trashed by the media. Why doesn't he stop talking about it? Why don't the media stop talking about it? Why don't they stop asking him questions about McCain? Why don't they stop... indulging in this if they don't want him to talk about it. It's bizarre, is it not? Now we have human beings like Brent Kavanaugh 
Obviously, he hasn't passed. He's on the Supreme Court. You say whatever you want about him. Ah, he was leading gang rapes. He uh, raped somebody on a boat. He, uh, he exposed himself. He, uh, da, da, da. You have any of it? No. How about don't speak ill of people when you don't have the facts, too? When you don't have the facts. Now, anyone can apparently say whatever they want about Donald Trump. He's not allowed to hit back. He's not allowed to hit back. I'll tell you what's obviously upset Donald Trump. We've learned more and more and more that John McCain and one of his former staffers were invisible hands behind this, pushing this dossier out to the FBI and then later to the media. And this has had a, a, a very, you know, dilatory effect on his presidency day in and day out. It has launched this attack on his presidency, this, these lies, these frauds really spring mostly from this dossier. And there were people pushing the dossier into the FBI. They got it from multiple sources. People pushing it to the media, they got it from multiple sources. And one of the people who pushed it out, and certainly his staffer, was McCain. And the president, I haven't talked to the president about this. I'm just telling you as a, as a normal human being, is furious about it. He's furious about it now that it's been divulged. So if people want to stop talking about it, then stop talking about it. The media want to stop, stop asking them about it. But as he learns information about this, he responds to it. He doesn't hold back. There's no question about it. But let's look how people talk about the president. And this is day in and day out. Richard Blumenthal is a serial liar of the worst kind. All you Vietnam vets out there, you know what I'm talking about. He lied. He claimed to be a Vietnam vet combat, a, a, a Vietnam combat veteran. He never went to Vietnam. He never served in the military, to the best of my knowledge. And he lied about it for years. Now the media actually go to this guy to comment on Trump, and he's out there all the time. Why do MSNBC and CNN use this guy all the time? Because they know he will say over-the-top, outrageous things, smearing the president. Because they know he's a psychopath. So he's on the morning schmo show, speaking of psychopaths. Real rotten egg there. And here's what he says about the president. You know, you know, you can't talk about anybody, the media, but the president, say whatever you want. Cut six, go. We need to understand what Vladimir Putin and the Trump campaign may have done together, but also the obstruction of justice that was done by the president of the United States in real time. There are indictments in this president's future. They're coming. Whether they're after his presidency or during it, obviously, the Department of Justice said, cannot indict a sitting president. <laughs> okay. You just said there are indictments coming, whether they're after his presidency or during it. And the Justice Department, in the next sentence, you say, says you can't indict a sitting president. So we know there's no indictments coming while he's president. Now, that aside, this man doesn't have any access to any special information. None whatsoever. <laughs> He is prodding and pushing the Southern District of New York when the president leaves to indict him, to indict the president. 
You see what's happened to Manafort. They want Trump to go through that. They want Trump to be in solitary confinement. They want him in a wheelchair. They want him destroyed. They want him, they want him ripped from one end to the other. You, you understand how the totalitarian mindset works when you listen to people like Blumenthal. When you listen to people like Blumenthal. Or for that matter, the uh, jerk uh, James Clyburn comparing the President of the United States to Hitler. Is this, is this, tell me, Mr. Clyburn, do you really know what Hitler did? Tell me, Mr. Clyburn, when uh, Louis Farrakhan is so close to the Congressional Black Caucus, look, I'm telling you the truth. Do you object to that, Mr. Clyburn? Did you object to Keith Ellison being the deputy chairman of the, of the DNC, given his ties to Farrakhan? So tell me, sir, who's more like the Third Reich? You or Trump? I didn't say you are. It's a question. And you're more than welcome to come on my program. You know what? Invite Mr. Clyburn on my show, will you, Mr. Producer? I know another useless couple of calls and emails. But invite him on and tell him we want to specifically explore his comment in which he compares Trump to Hitler. Let's see how smart this guy really is. Sounds like a genius, I think. Okay. I'll tell you about ExpressVPN. Admit it. You think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. This is very, very important service, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very, very important service. You've got government agencies tapping into data. This isn't conspiracy stuff. This is a fact. You have foreign governments tapping into people's data. And it's not just Russia and China. There are, uh, there are uh, the Iranians, the North Koreans. And then you have foreign criminals tapping into data from Nigeria, from other parts of the world. And they want your credit card numbers. And they want your bank numbers. And they want your information so they can drain your accounts or they can blackmail you or whatever. Now, it wasn't long ago where there was nothing you could do about this. Nothing. And if I told you back then that I've got a product for you that's seven bucks a month that will protect you, that will protect your data, that will protect your privacy from all of these would-be criminals. You would say, please, 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 right? Well, I've got it. It's right here. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be sending your credit card numbers and your passwords and all your other data to these criminals, to these government agencies. And so I'm looking around here as a talk show host, and I say to the people who or in our sales force, isn't there something we can do? They said, yes. I said, well, what is it? And they said, ExpressVPN. I said, well, let me try it first, which is what I always do. And it's fantastic. It makes anonymous your internet browsing. It encrypts your data. It hides your IP address. You not only have a fighting chance, you're victorious over those who try to gain access to your data. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, there are others out there trying to copy ExpressVPN. Folks, don't go with the copycats. Protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. 
That's expressvpn.com slash Mark to learn more. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. politics and our constitution work can you explain the differences between capitalism and socialism wish you knew more about american history well i have good news it's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since being in high school or college and you can do it for free hillsdale college as a service to our country as a free online course actually several of them that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every hillsdale college student takes the core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously. Now, it can help you, too. Getting started is simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can start learning whenever you like. Visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. The registration page featuring these free online courses will only be up for a few weeks, so stop wishing. Start learning. We can all do this. Register today for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You want to counter the propaganda and worse that your kids are being filled with in the classroom? Right here. Levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Inquiring minds want to know. Now, let's talk about where the Democrats want to take us. Here is, you know... One of the things in the past that I didn't want to do is play a lot of clips, and I really don't like playing a lot of clips, but there's a lot of Democrats running, and it's hard to avoid this because it's like, did they really say that? Yes, I actually have an audio of it. They really said, oh, yes, they did. So now I take it this way. We use them as foils. We set them up, and we hit them down, like bowling pins, if you will. First up, Senator Kristen Gillibrand. She's in Iowa. She's in Iowa yesterday. Cut eight. Go. So what will I do? I have a lot of ideas. First, we need comprehensive immigration reform. If you are in this yeah. country now, you must have the right to pay, to pay into Social Security, to pay your taxes, to pay into the local school system, and to have a pathway to citizenship. That must happen. So in other words, ladies and gentlemen, no illegal immigration. So we have Beto O'Dork, no walls. We have Kristen Dummy Brand, uh, people who come here illegally, should get Social Security, you pay into taxes, should get into local school systems, which they do anyway as a result of a 1982 Supreme Court decision and a pathway to citizenship. Now, what's wrong with this? It's insane. As I said the other day, why do we have to wait for foreigners, a.k.a. aliens, to come into the country? I mean, if they really had a heart, these leftists, if they were really compassionate, they wouldn't force people to take that horrific trek hundreds of miles from south of the border or deal with dangerous oceans, shark-infested, don't you know, coming to our country just because they want a better life. And they should immediately have access to Social Security, immediately have access to our school systems, immediately have access to food stamps. I mean, after all, 
They're not second-class citizens. What are you, a racist? We're the richest country on the face of the earth, don't you know? We can spend like drunken Marxists just endlessly. It's no problem. So I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't the really compassionate position be, you don't even have to come to the country. We'll mail you food stamps. We'll mail you Social Security benefits. Yes, you don't have to... Seven billion people out there who may want to come to the United States. Well, let's even say 10% of them. 700 million want to come to the United States. Using my old math, don't you know? Why bother? We'll just send you all the checks, all the benefits, all the rest of it over there. You don't want to come to America, that awful trek. And besides, we are systemically racist. We are a systemically racist country. We hate you. So why come to America? We'll send you your checks overseas. We'll take care of you overseas. We'll give you dual citizenship. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, whatever you want. Because why not? Isn't that the humane thing to do? Oh, and by the way, we'll let you vote too. Oh, yeah, we'll give you a ballot. We'll let you vote. Sure, foreigners should vote in American elections. There's no problem, particularly in local and state elections. Why not? Why not? Got it all figured out. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. By the way, do you see uh, Biden's considering his running mate, uh, Stacey Abrams of Georgia? I mean, one lightweight picking another one? Just incredible to me how bottom of the barrel we've gone with these potential nominees and their running mates and so forth. Just incredible. Now, as vice president, she could be president one day. And she's a radical, a leftist. Perfect. I'm sure you've heard, and by the way, Biden does this because of identity politics. Because he's accused of being a white man. And you can't have an all-white man ticket. Can't have an all-white ticket. Honestly, you probably can't have an all-black ticket or a Latino ticket. And this is the problem with identity politics. And it is now heavy-duty in our system. It's really pathetic. People don't sit there and say, let me, let me think about what this guy thinks. All day long, it's 
Stacey Abrams. He might pick Stacey Abrams because she's black and she's a woman. All day long. Not about qualifications. I'm sure you've heard about now the uh, interview some time ago with the former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe where he confessed to a coup against the president and was celebrated all throughout the media. All throughout the media. McCabe didn't want him in office. He tried to stop him from getting in office, then tried to remove him. And he's not the only one. There was a whole cabal over there at the FBI and the Department of Justice. Now, if you haven't been watching Levin TV, this may have been a bombshell to you. We really got the general parameters of this right two years ago, two years before it was reported, two years before McCabe confessed. And I'm back down over at Levin TV. Now, Blaze TV, what's Blaze TV? That's our network. And then we have programs on the network, as you can imagine. And one of them, actually the marquee, is Levin TV. And Blaze TV, the network, covers the stories that matter, while the Praetorian Guard media covers the stories that are liberal or that are anti-Trump. Here's the most important part. We don't give up. We have many personalities, many different backgrounds, different ages, different experiences, but we're all conservatives. You really need to try out our network, Blaze TV. You especially need to watch my show, Levin TV. We understand you have to prioritize where you're spending your money. That's why we've made it as cheap as possible. Now, we understand you have to prioritize. So, with promo code LEVIN, it's less than 8 bucks a month. With promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, it's less than 8 bucks a month. Start your free trial now at blazetv.com. Better yet, give us a call. You got your cell phone there? 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. Give us a call right now. Matter of fact, those of you who haven't joined us yet, why don't we do a little search? Say, you know what? I've been hearing about this for several years. Mark's going into his fourth year. I'd really like to check this out. I'm sick and tired of CNN. I'm sick and tired of MSNBC. I'm sick and tired of all these, these nut jobs. Let's check out Mark's show. And let's check out the other shows. So give us a call right now. 844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV. It's well worth it. We put a lot of time and effort into it too, by the way. So Beto O'Dork. He's in New Hampshire today. This guy's turning out to be uh, provably stupid. And he agrees with Andrew Gillum, who is the left-wing kook who was running for governor in Tallahassee. He's under an ethics investigation uh, because he's African-American. And uh, he lost. And he attacks Beto O'Dork because Beto O'Dork is white and he has privilege. So let's listen to this. Cut 12, go. Congressman, yeah. Andrew Gillum today, he said that you enjoy a set of privileges that other candidates don't. Do you think that's true? Yes. <laughs> Care to elaborate? Well, uh, first of all, it certainly has nothing to do with IQ. He doesn't enjoy that advantage. Go ahead. Um, I mean, this gets back to the, the right. question that, that was just asked. Um, as a white man in this country... Um, there are a set of circumstances that are different than they are for women, than they are for, for people of color. Um, we won't become the country that we're supposed to be. We won't fulfill our promise 
until opportunity is shared equally, regardless of differences of gender, of race, of country, of national origin, of uh, you know how long your family's been here, or whether your family just got here yesterday. Um, that's that's the promise of of America. Which is exactly why I've created, and I hope Beto O'Rourke, a.k.a. Beto O'Dork, a.k.a. Robert Francis O'Rourke, a.k.a. Robert Francis O'Dork, will endorse my new group. Caucasians rejecting, the hell's the name of it? Anglo uh, privilege. Caucasians rejecting Anglo privilege or crap. Because I, I have to say that there's no better spokesman for crap than Beto O'Dork. I mean, he's the king of crap. He really is. Even though he's not officially the king of crap, he's the king of crap. And uh, and by the way, um, it would appear that Andrew Gillum, who's not a congressman, I would tell the reporter, he's a nothing, well, he's a mayor, I guess, that Andrew Gillum is uh, full of crap, too. He really is. He's obsessed with crap. You know, to point out that Beto O'Dork is white and privileged, uh, we know he's white, we know he's privileged, but that doesn't mean everybody's white and privileged. This is the new uh, racism, the race baiting. But I would have to say Andrew Gillum's also obsessed with crap. Crap keeps coming out of his mouth. It, it just does. With the uh, Caucasians rejecting uh, Anglo privilege. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that these Democrats are uh, are spreading crap, are smearing crap, are promoting crap. It really is, because uh, we can all get behind them, so to speak. Beto is a, uh, is a buffoon. He's a clown. He's a coward. It really is remarkable. You know, uh, Andrew Gillum says, uh, you enjoy a set of privileges that other candidates don't because you're white. What do you think? Of that? Yes, I do. Care to elaborate? Sure. And he does, like an idiot. Why doesn't a Democrat stand up and say, why don't we embrace Martin Luther King's position of a colorblind society? Why don't we judge individuals as individuals? Why why don't we stop obsessing over skin pigmentation, over genitalia, whether you have it, whether you don't, what you do with it, whether you want a different one. Why don't we start focusing on the human being? The soul, the heart, the mind. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Other than, you know, uh, Andrew Gillum, Congressman Andrew Gillum says that, uh, you know, you're privileged, you're white. Well, you know, he's right. Something about that, he's right. Let me ask you something as a rational matter. If you believe Andrew Gillum's right, why are you running? Why are you running? You're privileged and you're white. Well, he's right, you know. Well, then why are you running? Makes no sense, does it? But uh, Beto O'Dork, uh, he's a good uh, laugh line, I would say. He's a good laugh line. Let's take some calls, shall we? All right. Can't wait for one of those Democrats to get elected, can you? By the way, Who else can't wait for one of those Democrats to get elected? Our enemies. They love these Democrats. Our enemies love these people. They know they'll kill our economy. They know they'll undermine our military. They know they'll create chaos and worse here at home. 
The, the Red Chinese are rooting for the Democrats. The Palestinians are rooting for the Democrats. The Iranians, Hezbollah, Hamas, they're all rooting for the Democrats. That's right, Mediaite, I said it. And they are. You ever see this site, Mediaite? It's so particularly superficially left-wing. Oh, they get a few in there now and then, but it's really quite pathetic. It's like an arm of the Democrat Party. And all they do is collect clips and some punk liberal just gives their comment and with these hyped up headlines, we need hits, we need hits, we need hits. Dan Abrams and his toupee are very proud of what they've created there over at Mediaite. The other day, do you know how many hits we get? One of the reasons you're getting a lot of hits, Dan, is because of me. And my buddy Dan Bongino would tell me, cut it out, Mark, stop promoting these guys. I'm not trying to promote them, I'm trying to expose them as they expose themselves, really. Let's continue. Krishna, Princeton, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Oh, thank you for taking my call, sir. This is an honor. Thank you, Uh, sir. uh, Recently, my wife and I were in Israel, and a remarkable democracy indeed. Uh, As you have often mentioned, during our stay, we did meet numerous local folks, and who hold very high regard of our president, and and they also extremely appreciative of what our president has done to the Israel. That's one. The second point I would like to make is today um, our president accomplished one more thing, which I don't know whether any any other president has done in the recent memory. Uh, he signed an executive order to promote free speech on mm-hmm. college campuses. That was uh, remarkable. And by the way, immediately, thank you for your call. I appreciate it very well. And immediately he was attacked, not just by the left and the media, but by pseudo-conservatives. I don't know if we can do this by executive order. Do what? Insist that universities and colleges, you know, promote free speech. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm for a Congress that actually legislates. I've got no problem with that, but there is an executive branch. I want to help some jerk called Jack Hunter, too, at the American Conservative. No matter how many times I explain my views, they're on the Internet, they're on the Mark Levin Show website, they're all over the place. He insists on putting words in my mouth. That's a lightweight. That's a low IQ lightweight. I'm not for overarching presidential power. I'm not for violating separation of powers, but the president can issue an executive order His agencies and departments in the executive branch created by Congress are doling out billions and billions of dollars to universities and colleges and insist that they promote, or at least not kill, free speech. I mean, it's not like he's insisting on the bathroom policy, colleges and universities in our high school. Hey, look, let the person decide whichever bathroom they want. They may be, uh, you know, genitalia transitioning. I don't even know all the phrases. They may be cues, you know, questioning. They might be bi's, bisexual, and this day they want to go there, and that day. So even today, it's controversial when you say, no, if you have that, you go there, and if you don't have that, you go over there. Oh, you're a bigot. Uh, Excuse me? You must be a bigot. President of the United States says we ought to have free speech on our college campuses. After all, we pour billions and billions of dollars into them. And we all know what's going on on many of these college campuses. They're run by hardcore Marxists. They've got these tenured uh, faculty members, these administrative nudniks, 
They build these empires to idiocy. You and I pay for it. We have no say in it. The president dares to say, all right, we're going we're gonna to spread something called liberty and free speech in our college. Oh, my God. I don't know if that's constitutional. Excuse me? Oh, my God. The federal government's interfering with colleges and universities. Are you kidding me? The federal government's today all over colleges and universities. Well, as you know, I'm a constitutionalist. It's very important that we see the executive order. I have no problem with that. But then why is it assumed immediately that the president is overreaching? And the thing is, he's trying to promote free speech. That's very dictatorial. Isn't it, Mr. Producer? It's very fascistic of him. We're going to miss this guy when he's gone. I'm telling you right now. And all these clowns that are muttering now, creating static, we won't miss them at all. I'll be right back. Mark in. is changing, ladies and gentlemen, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. It's true. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter sends you you over over 100 websites leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They send your job to over 100 websites. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. And as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first 24 hours. And right now, you, my listeners, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. Ready? ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. For free. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Eric Bowling uh, is a friend of mine. Eric Bowling, as you know, used to be the Fox. And he's now with Blaze TV. And he does a hell of a good show. A hell of a good show. And he's a really good guy. And as they pointed out right scoop, and I just heard this, he was involved in an altercation last night. A man came up to him and said something horrific to him. He's sitting at a table with Hayden Williams. He's that young man who was recently punched in the face at Berkeley, remember? And I met him at CPAC. Great kid. So he's sitting there, and this guy comes up to him and says, quote, Eric Bowling's son killed himself because he was embarrassed by his dad, unquote. I cannot think of anything worse than to lose a child. I really can't. Whether it's suicide or overdosing, murder, whatever, it's just, it's unbearable, I would, I would think. And, of course, Eric and his wife grieve their son loss every moment of every day. He had an accidental overdose of Xanax laced with fentanyl. 
So apparently Eric was livid. He immediately got up. He began to follow the man. And uh, there's a video of this on Right Scoop, and it's very painful to watch this. Very painful to watch this. Because you can see how Eric is... uh, How he's struggling. How he's uh, grieving. There's a lot of very evil people in this world, ladies and gentlemen. There are. I bump into them now and then, and thank God there's more good people than bad. But nobody deserves this kind of treatment. Nobody. Nobody. And I want to wish Eric and his wife all the best, and we here at Levin TV and Levin Radio, our little Levin media empire, will always back Eric. He's, he, by the way, he's one of the most enthusiastic energetic people I've ever met I mean we're not buddies we don't socialize we don't go out you know with our wives and all we don't go out to the... anyway I'm just saying that he really is a very exciting positive person but he doesn't deserve what happened to him I'll be right back With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones, and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The Democrat Party, its leadership, is a party of maniacs. It's a party of maniacs, all about identity politics, all about how far can you move to the left, all about the endless imperfections and injustices of American society, a free country, which, of course, the hardcore left needs to fix by stealing your liberty and your property by imposing their will on you. So you live as they demand. And they want to pack the Supreme Court. You know, those of us who support Article 5 Convention of States, we believe in a constitutional process for addressing our problems. 
We don't seek to expand the power of the government. We seek to limit the power of the government. We seek to further diversify the power of government, to bring the government back to where the founders intended. A government based on the individual, a government based on securing the circle of liberty that is around every individual. The kind of country and government that's discussed in Democracy in America, both volumes, by the great Alexis de Tocqueville. A government that is not controlling us, but that we are controlling. Packing the Supreme Court was such a bad idea, FDR tried it, that the Democrat Party blocked him. They controlled all levers of power, and they said no. His own vice president, a former Speaker of the House, worked behind his back to block it as well. Now the Democrats, they've moved so far left to a fascistic mentality. Mark, that's to the right. No, it's to the left too. That they propose the idea which was rejected 75 years ago. In fact, it was rejected by Joe Biden, who I used to call plugs, but that has now been stolen, so I don't anymore. Joe Biden in 1983 had a completely different view just 25 years ago about FDR's Supreme Court packing hat tip, Washington free beacon, cut 14, go. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. And by the way, it's 35 years Go ahead. And it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country. Now, let's the... stop there. No, it's not the most significant. It's a co-equal body, you dimwit. Anyway, go ahead. Court of the United States of America. The president had the right to do that. He uh, was totally within his power, and his, uh, his objective was seen clearly. So there's Biden 35 years ago objecting to the idea of packing the Supreme Court. Is there a Democrat running for president of the United States who opposes packing the Supreme Court? Which one? I know of none. At least they're not speaking out. Democrats have all kinds of ideas. Uh, Gillibrand said today or the other day, she's got a whole lot of ideas. Great. Who cares? You shouldn't be able to impose them on the American people, should you? Now, the New Zealand prime minister is being lauded throughout the American media, which, of course, is objective, only produces the news, not opinion. Jacina Arden, because now every semi-automatic weapon is to be removed from the people. Now, you've heard this already today, I'm sure, because I looked it up myself. New Zealand really is a relatively crime-free country. Uh, Most of the murders that take place, which are very limited, have nothing to do with guns. Uh, This slaughter that took place obviously did. But it's very uh, very uncommon. And so now the people in uh, New Zealand that own these weapons are going to have to surrender them under penalty of imprisonment. Now you know why we have a Bill of Rights. Now you know why we have a Constitution. Now you know why the left hates it. 
They like to cherry pick, pick and choose what's in there and then spin them and twist them, add things to them like infanticide. Look, as long as you ban straws, you can have infanticide. That's, you know, the whole Democrat agenda. That's, uh, uh, really, those two policy alone, uh, policies alone tell you everything you need to do. Ban straws to save the whales. And infanticide is the choice of a mother and her doctor. Wow. How sick is that? And so the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is being praised. Columns throughout America. Newsrooms throughout America for her guts. Cut 16. Today I'm announcing that New Zealand will ban all military-style semi-automatic weapons. We will also ban all assault rifles. Now let's let's, uh, just listen to the language that we're now forced to regurgitate. Assault rifles? What is an assault rifle? What's a, what is an assault rifle? It's a rifle somebody uses to assault somebody? We don't produce assault rifles. We produce rifles. Semi-automatic weapons. Makes it sound like an automatic weapon. They're not automatic weapons. They're semi-automatic weapons. You know the difference? An automatic weapon, you take your finger, you put it on the trigger, you keep it on the trigger, and that's an automatic weapon. Like the old movies with the mobsters, the the Tommy gun, the Thompson machine gun. You keep your finger on it just, you know, like a handheld Gatlin. That's not the way semi-automatic weapons uh, operate. You have to keep pulling the trigger. Pull it, one bullet. Pull it, two bullets. And you can pull them quickly, and and the bullets repeat, but... you. It's not an automatic weapon. So why would you call that a semi-automatic weapon when you still have to pull the trigger for a bullet to be released? We've allowed them to monopolize the language and to abuse it. There's no such thing as an assault rifle. I'm just talking for myself. And there's really no such thing, in my view, as a semi-automatic weapon. Either it's automatic or it's not. Well, no, no, you only had semi. No, it's not semi the hell is that? Semi-automatic. It's not automatic, but it's semi. Who says? It's semi. And an assault weapon. Weapons don't assault anybody. It's an assault rifle, Mark. Assault. Can't we all get along here? We will ban parts that cause a firearm to generate semi-automatic, automatic, or close to automatic gunfire. Is that what she says? Go ahead. We will ban all high-capacity magazines. We will ban all parts... What is a high-capacity magazine, Mr. Producer? A magazine that holds 10 bullets? 15 bullets? 8 bullets? What is that? Go ahead. ...to convert semi-automatic or any other type of firearm into a military-style semi-automatic weapon. We will ban parts that cause a firearm to generate semi-automatic, automatic, or close to automatic gunfire. There you go. That's very exacting language. Automatic, semi-automatic, or close to automatic gunfire. Okay, what next? Go ahead. Every semi-automatic weapon used in the terrorist attack on Friday will be banned 
in this country. Well, that's great. So in other words, the terrorists will decide what the law is. The terrorists will decide what weapons will and will not be legal. Isn't that like ass backwards? And once again, we'll repeat the fact that if somebody in that mosque had a quote-unquote semi-automatic weapon, a lot of those precious souls would be alive today. And we've seen it in various cases where this takes place, like the shooting in Texas and other places. It's when people are unarmed, when they don't have protection. This is where the killers go. And this terrorist mass murder knew that people in that mosque would not be armed, would not be ready for him. So he went in there and he shot them like fish in a barrel. And the answer the Prime Minister has is those of you who have weapons, we are going to remove them if they're semi-automatic or whatever. And of course, terrorists will be terrorists, racists, you name them. They're going to follow the law, aren't they? This killer came from Australia. And she's going to outlaw guns in New Zealand that are owned by the citizens of New Zealand. Absolutely irrational. And yet cheered, celebrated in the American media and media all over the world. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. you are worried about the cost of health care. Insurance companies keep shifting more costs on the patients. Deductibles have more than tripled in recent years, and drug discounts are being swallowed up by pharmacy benefit managers. Now, we've talked a lot about pharmacy benefit managers. We talked about them as recently as last week. They're called PBMs in the business. And they're supposed to negotiate better drug prices for patients like you. But these middlemen actually make more money from higher list prices. And Democrats are using higher deductibles and fewer discounts at the pharmacy as an excuse to socialize our health care. But that will simply mean even higher taxes and more government control. The result? Scarcity. Rationing. Less choice. Fewer breakthrough drugs. So while President Trump wants to immediately eliminate the system where PBMs benefit from higher list prices and pocketing drug discounts meant for seniors... The Democrats want to keep this perverse system. And oddly enough, you know who else? The AARP. That's who. That's right. The AARP. Along with wanting foreign price controls and placing restrictions on seniors' access to more expensive drugs. Now, could that be because the AARP, or we like to call them ARP, ARP, makes billions from partnering with insurers to sell Medicare supplemental insurance plans? Billions. Carl Sagan used to say, billions and billions. How AARP can justify keeping health insurers and PBMs more profitable at the expense of seniors and other patients. It's playing right into the Democrats' socialized medicine playbook, so please get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Here's another fact. In about an hour, I'll be on the Fox News Channel on Hannity TV, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and all times in between and around. And you won't want to miss it. I know I won't want to miss it. As a matter of fact, I'll be there. 
And we do that from the Levin TV studios, by the way. It's amazing how I transition. Not that way. I mean, with clothes and makeup. From the radio bunker to the TV bunker. So I hope you'll join us in about an hour, 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel with my dear friend Sean Hannity. The president uh, the other day actually was in Ohio yesterday at a army tank plant. And he said something very interesting, I thought, Mr. Producer. And Mr. Producer thought so, too. He caught it immediately. Listen very carefully, folks. Cut three, go. And we explained how good it was for the car industry, for this, for that. They said, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Oh, this is unbelievable. Thank you, sir. Then I see one of the guys the next day on a television show. The, uh, I think it was called Deface the Nation. And ladies and gentlemen, Deface the Nation. And he's saying how he's a Democrat. And he wants Democrat policies, which were, by the way, putting everybody in the poorhouse. I just wanted to deface the nation, Mr. President. I'll continue to use it, but you are free to take it. It's a good line. I'm glad I invented it. I, you know, like I say, when I first got on the radio 15 years ago or so, and I would give politicians names in order to mock them, to humiliate them, I would give uh, news channels names and letters and mock them and humiliate them just as recently as I've done this word crap. Uh, and I and of course I've done Fatties United or FU and so forth. But I've been doing it for years and years and years. And when I started doing it, people told me, Don't do that. Why? You'll get in trouble. Get in trouble for what? And so we have Meet the Depressed, Deface the Nation. I originally came up with Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg, but I surrendered it. Or Plugs Biden, I surrendered that one. Uh, Cape Cod Orc, I used to call Kennedy that, but he's gone, so I don't use it anymore. Now I call, uh, what's his name, the jerk? Chris Christie, Atlantic City Orca, things like that. Clinton happens. Oh, yeah, remember we did that? Then there were hats and bumper stickers and all the rest of it. Of course, we would never say that today. Or Diane Frankenfeinstein and so forth. Not pretty much everybody does it, don't they, Rich? I mean, I can't listen all that, but they all kind of, hey, I got a clever one. But we just keep plowing ahead. That's what we do. But I thought that was great the president did that. Don Lemon is on CNN, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why he doesn't get any ratings and his IQ are below the uh, surface level. Uh, but nonetheless, he's very concerned about George Conway. This guy is a slob. He's a lawyer. He's married to a very lovely lady. Kelly and Conway works very, very hard. They have children together. And he just keeps publicly attacking her boss. I, honest to God, I'm not getting involved in their marriage or anything, but what kind of husband does that to a wife? What kind of man does that to a woman? A pretty pathetic one is what I would think. Just way out of line. You keep it in the house. That's if you, if you have a problem. So here's, uh, well, let's do it this way. How much time do I have, Rich? Let's start with Trump. Cut 11, go. Yeah, I don't know him. Uh, he's a whack job. There's no question about it. But I really don't know him. He, uh, I think he's doing a tremendous disservice to a wonderful wife. Kellyanne is a wonderful woman. And I call him Mr. Kellyanne. Uh, the fact is that he's doing a tremendous disservice to 
a wife and family. She's a wonderful woman. And here's Kellyanne Conway on Fox Business today. Go. Your boss calling your husband a whack job. What's going on? Well, my husband also has been very critical of the president publicly, which is unlike him just because he's um, traditionally been a very private person. In 2016, which was known as the year of the tweet, George Conway sent exactly zero tweets. So this is new. And what also is new is not supporting the agenda of the president and my work there because when George took himself out of contention for a top job in the Department of Justice, almost two years ago now, he put out a public statement that many in the media refuse to cover now, which is um, that he does, we've decided as a family it's not the right time for both of us to have big jobs in the federal government that he'll stay in the private sector and that, but that he still supports the president, the work of the administration and of course his quote, wonderful wife so I think uh, in their descriptions of me, what George Conway said and what Donald Trump said are the same Uh, I appreciate the president defending what he thinks is unfairness that I'll leave that up to him. I was raised though in a household of strong Italian Catholic women who taught me that you air grievances like that in private. So it is very surprising to see it. I feel very public. sorry for her. It's obviously something's gone wrong here. And unfortunately, I don't get to get to Don Lemon. Like most of you, we won't hear him. We'll be right back. Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Well, the book is The Right Side of History. I think it's number one on Amazon already. How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great by Ben Shapiro. Ben, how are you, my friend? Hey, doing great. How are you? Good. It's been a while, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been busy, both of us. I busy, think. busy, busy. So this is really some book here. How long did it take you to write this book? Uh, the actual writing took about 10 months, which for me is, is a pretty lengthy period of time, and then obviously kind of years in the making. Y- you write political philosophy all the time. For me, this is my first real swing at it, so it, uh, it took a lot of effort, and you know, I hope the product is, is what, I, what I hope it is. Oh, it's terrific. I'm about halfway through. I got the book yesterday. Honestly, I couldn't put it down. It's, it's really, really solid. And I think it's necessary, don't you? Because there's so much talk out there, the secular stuff and the... Uh, uh, we're, we're so unmoored from our founding and our faith, aren't we? That, that's exactly right, and that's really why I wrote the book, was not just to re-explain sort of the principles of the founding, but the philosophy that undergirds the founding, because the founding didn't come out of nowhere. There seems to be this perception that a bunch of great men just sort of gathered in Philadelphia and then came up with some great ideas, and the truth is that the reason that the, the ideas of the American Revolution are so correct is because they're rooted in a 3,000-year tradition of Judeo-Christian history and Greek reason, and those roots run extraordinarily deep, and they run directly back to human nature. And that's why America is so successful. It's why the West has been so successful. And why is America unique that way, do you think? I think that um, the American Revolution was the, the religious side of the Enlightenment. So the Enlightenment was good in one way and bad in another. It was, it was very good in that it prized human reason. But it was only good if you prized human reason in conjunction with those Judeo-Christian values. That's what made America different. Then, for example, the French Revolution, which said that they were going to strangle the last king with the guts of the last priest. The idea was get rid of all the old institutions. Human reason, unmoored from fundamental Judeo-Christian principles, could bring about a new day. The problem is that, that human reason, unmoored from principle, brings you communism, it brings you fascism, it brings you bureaucracy. Uh, it, it doesn't bring you 
toward anything remotely resembling liberty, and that's what the French Revolution showed. The American Revolution said, look, we've got these fundamental biblical principles, but biblical principle alone can lead to theocracy. We need to apply our reason to those principles, and when we look at the, at the verse that says that each of us is created in God's image, what that means is that we each have natural rights. When we look at, at how the Greeks looked at natural law, the idea that you could discover a rationale in the universe simply by looking at the world around you, when you, when you moor those two things together, when you, when you hitch those two things together, what you come up with is a, a reasoned, enlightened system that is based on fundamental principles, principles like the individual worth of every human being. And the idea that the, the universe is, is not a chaotic place in which you can't control your fate, but the universe is actually a pretty orderly place in which freely willed people can do good and should good do, do good for each other and for themselves. And you explain in the book, and you call it the necessity of communal moral purpose, the necessity for communal capacity. Really, I look at this as the civil society. And yet the left takes that and twists it, doesn't it? That is, a communal uh, economic order and so forth. That's exactly right. See, what I talk about in the book is the idea that if you want to be a happy human being, you, you, you exist as both an individual and as a member of a community. And if you exist only as an individual without any social fabric, it's easy to, to become nihilistic, it's easy to become narcissistic. And if you exist only as a member of the community, then you lose your individuality and it's easy to become oppressive and tyrannical. The left has, has decided that we should only exist as members of community, but community not defined by voluntary commitment to each other, community defined by an overarching government. The only thing we share, is, as Barack Obama said in 2012, is the government. And that, of course, is a lie. What the founders recognized, and the Tocqueville talks about this, is the notion that you can only have a free society when you do have a voluntary social fabric, when you are part of a social order that you opt into, not one that is pressed on you top-down. Because if it's pressed on you top-down, you're no longer an individual. You're forced into doing something you don't want to do. It's always bizarre to me when you hear people on the left suggest that compassion lies solely in government action. It's like there, there's a whole world of people out there who take care of each other because we do have communities, because we do have families. That's the stuff that makes a country great. That's the stuff that makes a society great, not a top-down government. And these issues of natural law, they're not taught anymore. They're not even understood by most people. And yet they were fundamental to the founders. And they're dismissed, you know. They're slave owners, and therefore everything they did or said is to be dismissed. Do you think we have a way back to, uh, I mean, you're writing, I'm writing, others are writing. We're trying to get people to think and write and, and read these things. Do you think we have a real way back to a more uh, constitutional-type republic? I think we do, but I think the first step is gratitude. It was funny. I saw some, some columnist who writes, I think, for Time, and, and is a big fan of Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, talking about how you know, we, don't, we, we grew up in a society where we didn't have anything, and that's why we're, we're tending towards socialism. And I just thought that's about the most ungrateful statement I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. This is the richest society, the most free society in the history of humanity. And you're sitting there talking about how you didn't have opportunities in the society. There are two ways of viewing Western civilization. This is really what it comes down to, I think. And, and it, it does fall largely along the right-left divide. One way of Western, viewing Western civilization is the principles upon which Western civilization were founded are uniquely fantastic and led to the most uniquely fantastic civilization in world history. And along that way, we didn't always live up to those principles. And that's where slavery comes in, and that's where discrimination comes in. But the principles themselves were always good, and that's why America's fantastic. The other way of viewing things is that Western civilization is uniquely bad, and it's rooted in racism, bigotry, hierarchical power, and that all of our principles are actually fake. They're not real principles. They're just an excuse for us to cram down our own viewpoints and power on other people. That's sort of the viewpoint of the left, and that's why they're seeking to uproot the civilization wholesale. I think that if we want to win, 
the first thing we have to do is remind people, guys, look around. Like, just, just for half a second, for God's sake, look around and recognize that you live in a world where you can choose what you want to do every day, where nobody is forcing anything on you, where you can expect that a baby that is born today is not only going to survive infancy, but is going to live to 80-plus years old. You can push a button, and any product you want arrives at your door inside of three days. Stop whining, for God's sake. Very, very true. Now, let me ask you this. There seems to be a disconnect between philosophy that I discuss, that you discuss, others discuss, and sort of the Republican Party. I think the Democrat Party gets their role. I think they are radical progressives. I think they understand that. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Bernie Sanders does. Uh, Many of the others do. Do you think the Republican leadership understands what's taking place here? I don't think so, and I think they don't largely because it's a hard job. I mean, you know because you write these books all the time, but it's hard to go back and relearn fundamental tenets of Western philosophy, relearn what the foundations of our civilization are. The nice thing about being on the left is that you can become a leftist simply by assuming that the world started spinning the day you were born. Like, AOC doesn't know anything. and That's the hilarity of putting her on Time Magazine's cover. She legitimately knows nothing about virtually anything, and this is what makes her a good leftist, because if you believe that the world started spinning yesterday, and it is your job to remake that world along any lines you choose, well, you don't need a philosophy. All you need is some ambition and gall, and that's really what the left has. If you're on the right, then you actually have to spend some time learning things. There's this old G.K. Chesterton quote that's very famous, obviously, among kind of conservative intelligentsia, that the difference between a person on the right and a person on the left is a person on the left walks through a field and sees a fence, doesn't understand why the fence is there, and says, I don't know why the fence is there, I'm removing it. A person on the right looks at the fence and says, I don't know why the fence is there. I need to learn why the fence was put there in the first place, and then maybe I'll think about removing it. But that takes work. It's easier to be a leftist than a person who's on the right. Let me ask you about this word, the right. And I get it. I understand what what people are saying. But constitutional conservatives are conservatives, however they paint themselves. We look at this political spectrum. Are we really on the right, right? In other words, since when is endorsing our founding governing document, our founding document, the principles that undergird them, why is that right or left? Isn't that like the core of the country? I mean, that's exactly correct. And the the actual terms right and left obviously came from the the French Revolution, and it was based on who was sitting where in the French Assembly. So it doesn't even make any sense to apply those terms really to the United States. It's why people are easily confused and confuse the European right with the American right. American conservative has almost nothing to do with the the European nationalist right. The, The fact is that what conservatives in the United States are conserving, the reason that we are conservatives is because what we're trying to conserve is those founding principles we sort of use the right for shorthand, but you're exactly right. It's not, it's not really a great term. What is – you and I are going to agree strongly on this, I think, as we do most things, actually. Populism. What is this populism? Is our Constitution written for populism, republicanism, uh, and is populism a danger to constitutionalism and republicanism? I mean, certainly the founders thought so, and I think they're exactly right. The, this idea that, that populism, the appeal directly to the quote-unquote wisdom of the populace, why? I mean, the, the question is, what does the population know? Well, there are certain things that the populace knows. They know their own business, which is why you should basically leave them alone. But this idea that appealing to the generalized will of the people, as though the will of the people suddenly has been privy to great secrets of the universe, the founders hated that sort of thought. They really despised it. And that's why they had all these checks and balances in the Constitution. The truth is that populism isn't even a philosophy. It really is more of a tactic. It's really just politicians standing there and saying, I'm with the people, and the people are with me, and I am the people. 
that, that's not a principle. Bernie, Bernie Sanders is a populist of the left. And you, you can be a populist of the right, but if you don't hold any of the fundamental truths, the idea that because we are made in God's image, because we are made with creative capacity and will and reason, that we have individual rights that are not to be violated. The problem with populism is it very easily turns into communitarianism, this idea that the majority ought to be able to invade the rights of the minority in the name of this greater general will, this kind of Rousseauian general will. Well, but you hit the nail on the head. It's unalienable rights. That's what the Declaration talks about, right? So you don't get the vote on those. They are what they are. Um, President Trump, good job, bad job, medium job, better than you thought, what? Certainly better than I thought. I think that that President Trump, the president, I think, has two jobs. One is to implement policy, and the other is to educate the public. I think on the first, when it comes to President Trump's policy, he's been much more conservative than I certainly thought he would be, and I'm very grateful for that level of conservatism in policy. I've differed from him from time to time on on trade policy, for example. But when it comes to his overall conservative policymaking, I'm quite happy with that, although I wish we'd spend a little bit less. That just holds across the board. By a little, I mean, like, a lot less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other job, the, the job of educating the public, I just don't think that, that President Trump is in the position to do that. I don't think he's that kind of guy. I don't think that he's spent five minutes with the actual philosophy of conservatism. So we can like him for implementing policy and also recognize that the job of educating the American public the way that Ronald Reagan did, for example, that's not something that, that President Trump is going to do, is capable of doing. And so we should stop looking to him as, as a source of any sort of conservative philosophy. He can be a vessel for our policy preferences, but the reason people listen to your show is because I think that people are looking for that philosophy from somewhere else, as they should. But he does many conservative things, even if he's not in sort of an intellectual conservative. That's right. And, you know, when you look at George W. Bush, who I admire as a, as a human being, he did a lot less conservative things, and I'm not sure he educated the people about conservatism. And I don't dislike him personally. That's just my – as I look back on it. No, I think that's true. I, I will say the one thing that, that George W. Bush did that, that, Ronald, that uh, Donald Trump doesn't is George W. Bush, by being a more genial person and probably by being just a generally nicer fellow – didn't alienate young people the way that President Trump has. But as far as the policy that he implements, because President Trump is audacious, because President Trump does sort of do what he wants to do and he doesn't care about the conventional wisdom, that means that he will sometimes run roughshod over the conventional wisdom. And oftentimes that's, that's great because the conventional wisdom is kind of dumb. You hit something interesting there. You said he alienates young people. Let me ask you this question. When I was a young guy going to college, and listening to these left-wing professors, many of them were foul-mouthed. Many of them said things that were really quite repulsive. I mean, personally repulsive, and would say, you know, whatever. And yet, uh, they have an enormous amount of influence on younger people. Why is that? Well, I think that, that professors typically have influence on younger people just because younger people are looking to rebel against their parents. So you, you go to college, and you know, I'm not that far removed. But, but, but hold on, that's my point about Trump. Why don't they look upon him and say, look, he's rebelling against people, too? I think there is a cadre of younger people who feel that way. But I think that there's also a feeling that that he violates taboos, some of which he should violate and some of which he should not violate. Uh, And again, my my big the, the real reason I think that he's very unpopular among young people, and this is just polling data. This is not me, you know, suggesting something that that is not backed by evidence. The polls show he's not popular among young people. He's very unpopular. And I think the reason is because. For older people, they look at the the American political system and they say, listen, 
I'm going to vote for the person who best represents my policy preferences. I don't care what you think of me for voting for Trump. So make fun of me for voting for Trump, whatever. I'm 65. You know, go to hell. Who cares? (laughs) For people who are 20, I I think that because they care a lot about what their peers think, they're sort of trying to define themselves in the eyes of their peers. President Trump says things that are quite alienating. Oftentimes, he says things that are not just politically incorrect, but oftentimes just kind of nasty. And so young people feel the necessity to distance themselves from him, which is why it's interesting. You know, the, the best tactic that I've seen in terms of attracting young people to voting for President Trump in 2020, for example, is acknowledging that President Trump is a deeply flawed human being who says a lot of terrible things. And also, you should vote for him because, hell, who else are you going to vote for? Bernie Sanders? Uh, th- that seems to me a better tactic. I think that young people don't want to be told that President Trump is a man of high character. Older people don't care very much, but it, but it does matter to younger people. I, I look, I look forward to you reading my next book, which will be out in a few months, uh, where we talk about deeply flawed people, particularly past presidents, and how Trump <laughs> compares to them. Seriously. Uh, but I want to tell you something. You've written a terrific book here. Kudos to you. And I, I really want everybody to get it. It's The Right Side of History by our friend Ben Shapiro. You can go to Amazon.com, any major bookstore, probably any minor bookstore, and you ought to get a copy. Go ahead, Mr. Producer, link that up over to Amazon.com so we can help keep it at number one. Ben, God bless you, my friend. Well done. You too. I really appreciate it, Mark. Be well. All right. Take care of yourself. We'll be right back. Mark in. Let's take a call quickly here, Mr. Producer. The screen is out. Give me a good one. Brian, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Just want to say I'm a longtime listener of your show. My daughters grew up saying, get off the phone, you big dope. That was one of the first words out of their mouths. Wow. We give a little salute to my man. Um, hey, listen, what's going on in New Bob Zealand is, is crazy right now. Yeah. And... Um, you know, it makes me think that, uh, you know, rape is a problem in this world, too. But uh, what's next? Are they going to have uh, all the males, you know, uh, cut off their genitalia? You know, all I mean. All right. There we go. You never know. But there are all kinds of examples out there, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Apparently some of that's going on out there, I hear. And it's a civil right. And it even affects our bathrooms. That is uh, genitalia cut a Rooney. <laughs> the world's going nuts. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Now we have civil rights for people who remove stuff or add stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. But what do I know? Does your current office chair support you? Now, if you're lucky, maybe it goes up and goes down. Compare that to my X chair with dynamic variable lumbar support or DVL. Now, the X-Chair's DVL provides unbelievably comfortable lumbar support, and every part of the chair can be custom-adjusted to fit you. That's why the X-Chair is equally supportive and comfortable. Whether you're 5 feet 2 inches and 110 pounds or 6 feet 4 inches and 250 pounds, I can comfortably sit for hours in my chair. Can you? And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-Chair for everybody, type, and budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option. Pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair is on sale now 
for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, or call 1-844-XCHAIR. And it comes with a 30-day no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Check it out. I strongly encourage you to get it. Ladies and gentlemen, I will see you in 30 minutes on the Fox News Channel, Hannity TV. Don't miss it. I know I won't, because I'm going to be there. We salute you all. God bless you.